Is it time to get charged up? Visit downtown Kia EV Discovery Center, Lower Mainland's newest Kia dealer, the electric vehicle experts. Learn all about their amazing lineup of electric vehicles and discover excellence. Call downtown Kia today to arrange a test drive and they'll bring the test drive to you. Downtown Kia is located at the corner of West 8th and Burrard Street in Vancouver. Check them out online at downtownkia.com or call 604-336-9050. Welcome to Season 2 of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. It's been a couple of months since Season 1 wrapped up, and we've spent that time recharging our batteries and coming up with other bad puns to offend your sensibilities. We've also arranged a great slate of new interview subjects and topics relevant to the electric vehicle universe in 2020 that I know will engage, educate, and entertain you. We're joined by our good friend David Booth, senior writer at Postmedia Driving and Driving.ca. So welcome back to uh, Plugged In Happy to be back. Uh, season two launching today. Um, and we're in Toronto today. We are here for the Canadian International Auto Show, a uh, big 10-day event here in Canada. Montreal might protest, but I think you could call this uh, Canada's National Auto Show. And uh, we're here just talking about electric vehicles at the show. I will just preface this by saying, not that I'm disappointed, but I was hoping we'd see some, some uh, new stuff. But as is the case sometimes with the Toronto show, we're getting things that have been shown globally, but in their defense, they are Canadian reveals. So for audience, it is good. I'm joined today by our good friend David Booth, uh, senior writer at Post Media Driving and great columnist with his uh, weekly Motormouth column that everybody knows about, especially EV acolytes because it gets their blood pressure up at times. Welcome, David. Thanks for having me yet again. Yet again. Always Nobody's good. chased me off the set yet. No, I'm kind of concerned, though, because we are in the, the National Post um, podcast area, which is more open to the public than the last one. But fortunately, we didn't preview David being here, so there's no protesters outside. Well, no Greta protesters. Well, we'll get to that in a little while. Yeah. Um, but first, what I want to talk about is the EVs that are, were at the show, or are at the show, I'm sorry. As I say, none of them are, are global debuts, but there are Canadian ones. So when you go down to the show at the Metro Convention Center, uh, you'll see cars that haven't been in Canada yet and ones that are good news for EV fans because it certainly shows the increasing trend of good volume producers. First one isn't really a car per se. It's, um, it's a chassis. It's a platform, they like to call it. It's the VW MEB EV chassis. This is their modular electric drive platform. According to Eurospecs, they say they can get up to 550 kilometer range with this platform, probably maxed out in terms of batteries. But what's really interesting is this is going to be the foundation for what VW claims to be 27 vehicles by 2022. In fact, it probably will get sold um, to Ford or used by Ford for some of their vehicles. It's really important, um, you know, and it's being presented by Volkswagen as super high tech it's really interesting, but it's no different than basically every other electric vehicle chassis 
on the planet. I mean, right. it's a skateboard chassis. It's got a battery in between two axles at yep. either end, and it could be modularly made to have all-wheel drive, front-wheel drive, or rear-wheel drive. Right. And while that, you, uh, in traditional cars with gasoline, that modularity was quite a thing, and Volkswagen really helped usher it in 10, 15 years ago. Now it's absolutely normal. There's nothing different or or particularly super advanced about the MEB. That being said, it is going to be get widespread use with Volkswagen's commitment to uh, electric vehicles and uh, you know and the total numbers they claim they're going to get. It, it will be very widespread. Again, technologically, I don't see much there that's really different than anything Jaguar or or General Motors or anybody else is doing. It's more just from a from a production point of view. It it really makes different vehicles scalable, and it gives them a a more a more uh, speedy way to turn new product around. From a production standpoint, it's huge news. Yeah. From technological engineering standpoint, it's standard operating procedure. Yeah. I mean, if you are a, a, a engineering nerd, it is kind of fun to look at because it's essentially the guts of the car. So on the display down at the convention center, it's it's pretty interesting to see how everything comes together. If you're, if you're um, uh, as you said, an, an acolyte, also uh, a technical uh, aficionado, it's really cool to see. Yeah. But like I say, pretty much everybody's chassis is exactly the same. Right. So the, the thinking is um, in, in Frankfurt, when, when they kind of introduce the, um, the ID3, which is going to be the first vehicle built on this platform, um, it was disappointing to hear that vehicle isn't scheduled to come to Canada while it's rolled out to Europe. But it sounds like the first vehicle we're going to get based on that is going to be a crossover. Yes. And, and let's understand what Volkswagen is doing. I mean, they've made huge uh, predictions of where the percentage of their total vehicles will be electric and the total numbers. But I've actually talked to the CEO, and maybe after a couple of glasses of wine, they might admit that, you know, of that, I forget what the numbers are, but if they make a million EVs, 800,000 are going to China. Yeah. A few are going to Europe because they got really tight emissions well, standards. Well, Nor- Norway's going to get a lot. Norway's going to get a lot. We'll get what's left over. Yeah. We're not an important market for EVs right now. Right. We just aren't. Yeah, volume-wise. Volume-wise. To no. ship them over and everything. Yeah. yeah. China, for uh, all the car companies that have hugely ambitious numbers that they're gathering headlines where they're saying, you know, 12% of our total production will be uh, purely electric by such and such a date. Yeah. What they're saying is they're going to ship them all to China. Yeah. But that's not to say people won't be able to buy the VW crossover here. No, 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 no question. But it, uh, we are an afterthought, yeah. just so we understand that. Yeah, right. Okay, another vehicle um, in, the, in the VW family, as it were, uh, are, there's a couple from Audi here today. Um, the e-tron sportback which is a um well it's it's an audi so it's a it's a luxury vehicle it's kind of like a bulbous crossover if you want to call it that kind of a gt style um it's got a 95 kilowatt hour battery in it which is pretty big uh european spec range of 446 kilometers they say so i don't know what that translates to maybe just over 300 we don't know i mean i know the audi e-tron it was disappointing to see the numbers when it came here from the audi spec but what, what do you think of this vehicle the sport the sportback uh, i'm not going to be able to say much good about it i'll be honest with you it, to me bulbous is the kindest thing uh, <laughs> someone could say about it it looks if i was being charitable it looks like a bmw 550 gt and that car did poorly yeah if i was not being charitable which is my normal state of affairs 
I would say it looks like a Honda Cross Tour, which did really bad. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and, you know, people attack the credibility of Tesla and some of the things they do. I do it as well. But it's not fair to just attack Tesla and the credibility of the European makes. And they got to get rid of this. It's called the WTLP standard. And, you know, they, you, you get uh, the, uh, the Volkswagen you just mentioned it, uh, does claim 550 kilometers in that test. Yeah. And then uh, this one uh, gets uh, uh, two, uh, 440. By the time it comes EPA specs, it's 240 miles. Yeah. And that's just not enough. So, so why aren't we, why isn't there becoming a global standard? I mean, it's a global automaker industry. I mean, I... I'm going to say something that sounds outrageous, but if people go back and look at the history, um, when the diesel scandal came about, the first part of the scandal for me was that uh, that um, uh, Volkswagen wanted to cheat. I found that incredulous. What I found more incredulous is how corrupt the testing mechanisms in Europe are. Right. I mean, there were all manners of cheating built into the system. They would tape up their headlights. They would pry apart their brake pads to get them to get better gas mileage. And that's the gas mileage. Yeah. And now the same thing has come into their electric vehicle testing so they can brag about big numbers. Yeah. But then people come over here, they, um, they find out the numbers aren't anywhere near as much as they brag in Europe. They find them less than the Tesla. So then that propagates, as far as I'm concerned, the... Um, uh, concept amongst the te- Tesla cultists that yes, Elon Musk is the, is our god who never tells us lies, and that the mainstream automakers yeah. are trying to pull the wool over opens, our opens eyes. Opens the door for that. It, it really does. Yeah, I believe both are bad. Yeah, but it feeds into that narrative. So you know that WTLP thing. It's really bad. It's not realistic. It's not fair, and 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 it's long, and it's self-defeating. I think, yeah, for, in the long run, right. So, right. yeah, anything that comes out of Europe in terms of range, I completely ignore. It's at least ten, possibly twenty percent too optimistic. The the other Audi that's here is the Q4 e-tron. It's a concept car, but again, it's something that obviously is is probably in some form or shape going to be a production car one day yes and i i i mean that one is much prettier it's a really good looking car um i think it will do well if it comes here but again um uh they have 82 kilowatts i think is the maximum on that right and the range is actually a little better than the uh e-tron sportback i believe yeah um again though that's the wtlp thing and uh, what the actual range is, we don't know because, it, as you said, it's a concept. It's a long way from production. Right. Again, um, overall, I'll just say that cr- this is me giving credit where credit is due to Tesla. Uh, very unusual, we'll agree, right? Um, but, you know, they're getting extraordinary range out of their um, cars. Yeah. And the European manufacturers are not. And that includes even Jaguar with their iPace. And so we expected, I certainly expected, at least from the, that standpoint, that they'd come right out of the gate with equal range per kilowatt hour of battery yeah. in a real world, not WTLP circumstance. And that hasn't been the case. So we 
do have to, for the time being, I suspect that they'll catch up quite quickly, but for the time being, we have to admit that Tesla is probably getting better efficiency out of their batteries slash powertrains than some of the European automakers. Yeah, well, certainly Tesla has had a long partnership with Panasonic batteries, um, so that seems to be the secret sauce is Panasonic. Uh, I, I would disagree with you there. I don't think the secret sauce is the battery. I think it is Tesla's battery management. The I software, would go the software. the software, the algorithms. I would tell you that the Panasonic thing is a bit of a smokescreen, and mm. it's 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 actually made their job more difficult because I'm giving credit to the battery management system, and say uh, you know uh, a European car might have 440 or 350 cells to manage. You know a, a huge um, uh, uh, Tesla Model X probably has 7,500 of those little yeah. batteries to manage. Right. So not only are they are they better, yeah. but their battery choice has made it more difficult to be better. If Tesla has one real thing that they can say we are definitely better than all the others. And there's so many things like autopilot and all the rest of the crap yeah, they produce yeah. Over the that, that, are, that is complete hyperbole. The battery management yeah. is actually something at which they excel, and I think they're the best in the world. Yeah, I guess we'll find out more about that now that Toyota and Panasonic have joined forces. And once Toyota starts to integrate Panasonic batteries, if they don't have you know, increased battery range, then it will be a question of software. Well, the thing is, is, uh, you know, first of all, I think that the the, bat, uh, the Toyota uh, Panasonic link-up is temporary or near-term because what people don't realize, and I, I had a comment from one of my stories, well, Toyota has to do hybrids because they don't know anything about EVs. Oh, my God. Yeah. Where do you get people this stupid? Um, <laughs> uh, but they are one of the leaders in solid state batteries. Right. That's that's the interesting thing on the horizon. They are and and but even saying that, they they don't unlike everybody else say that, you know, all cars are going to be battery powered electric specifically. Yeah. They believe all their cars will be electrified and I think by 2030 it'll be 42% and then 2050 all. Right. But they see Hybrids, plug-in hybrids, batteries—they do have that, and they also plug uh, uh, FCEVs. Right. So they see a wide solutions. A, a wide number of solutions. Right. So going forward, um, you know that tie-up is important, but I, I don't see them trying to challenge directly the might of Tesla. They're, yeah. they're going to surround them. No, they, they've gonna... taken their time, and much to the consternation of maybe some EV people, because they say, you, you did the Prius, you were, you were at the vanguard of this technology. But, you know, as my, as my interview last year, or last season with Stephen Beattie, the, the you know, VP with Toyota Canada said, th they're not profitable for them, so they're not really in EVs yet. Uh, Toyota, I wrote a story about it two days ago, not today's Motormouth, yesterday's Motormouth, uh, working too hard, I guess. Um, and their basic thing is, what is better? If we outsell Tesla 20 to 1 with Priuses and other hybrids, and we do a 30% reduction, or they sell one car, well, a 30% reduction times 20 is uh, six cars. Yeah. Uh, when you're when you're saying thirty percent thirty percent reduction emission emission essentially emissions reductions, right. their point is they've sold well over thirteen million right. hybrids. Right. If every one of those hybrids has accounted for a thirty percent reduction in emissions compared with the comparable car, who's actually done more to uh, to uh, reduce carbon footprints? Yeah. 
in the automotive business, Tesla or, 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 or Toyota? And one of the questions they always fall back on, Toyota, and I really respect this, uh, they say, what's our end goal here? Yeah. Is our end goal to sell electric cars or is it to reduce our carbon footprint? Right. A lot of people think those are one and the same. They are not. Right. And they're, you know, focusing on one technology is not necessarily the most efficient way to our end goal, which should be reducing our carbon footprint. Um, t- talking about plugins, a couple of plugins at the show. Again, um, uh, uh, 2020 uh, Chrysler Pacifica, 2020 Kia Nero. Um, neither of them get any boost in electrification. Uh, it's essentially just a, a, a cosmetic change for both in an all-wheel drive for the... Nero? Uh, no, for, for the, the Pacifica, Pacifica but right. that's but that's a mechanical all-wheel drive on yeah. the all-gasoline right. version. So, so, so nothing new there. I mean, they're both exceptional vehicles. The Pacific, in 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 particular, it's it's a very fuel efficient vehicle for its size. It's won a ton of awards. So, um, I'm sure many families will be checking out that car at the show. Do you want to test drive the latest EV or hybrid all in one location? Then make sure you attend the Vancouver International Auto Show, March 25th through 29th at the Vancouver Convention Centre. Celebrate the 100th anniversary of Western Canada's best-attended consumer show, experience the best in new vehicles and fantastic historic automotive displays, and sign up for the Clean BC Go Electric Test Drives, where you'll get the opportunity to take a drive around downtown in state-of-the-art, zero-emission vehicles and get all of your EV questions answered by experts. Sign up at the show. For complete details and show tickets, visit VancouverInternationalAutoShow.com. Getting back to Toyota, uh, there's a there's a Lexus LF30 concept at the show. Yes, um, it's hard to know what to think of that one. Um, possibly the most polarizing car of the last five, ten years. I mean. It looks great from the rear windshield back, and then the front of it is this giant gaping maw. Yeah, and it, it's 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 like their uh, I forget what they call their grill pattern uh, these days. They got a special name for yes. it. Yes, but they're getting ever more uh, larger like and a bas- aggressive. A basking shark. Yeah, yeah, right? it's, it's ever more larger and aggressive, and they're trying to make up for the fact that they're seen as a as a as a boringly styled car right and so they put these huge grills but this one's way over the top I mean, right. well, like, it, it is a concept car it is defense. a concept car but two things about that one is that um some people like it some people don't the second thing is is going back to audi and jaguar they've put out regular looking cars that are evs yes and that hasn't worked to counteract the tesla aspect um in terms of sales in terms of sales it hasn't worked it hasn't worked uh, they're not neither one is setting the world alight they have the name they have the technology maybe not the range but i, I should say that the the jaguar ipace continues to impress canadian journalists because once again ajac has, <laughs> has made it it's, it's, you know i mean it's, it's, it's suv of the year it's uh suv of the two year, years second in a row t- second time first time uh, first car to ever do that twice yeah on the other hand people aren't buying it so yeah. I, I'll, I'll just leave that statement as well, it is. Well, you know, in defense in Vancouver, I do see some. 
I mean, I think you it's, could probably get one. I mean, there's I, not I, a waiting list. I, 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 I love you for the fact that you are promoting your hometown, but what happens in Vancouver <laughs> is not what happens in the world. Okay? Uh, spoken spoken uh, very true on the on the east side of Bloor. Excuse me, I'm Quebecois. Okay. I'm not even pro-Toronto. Oh, yeah. And then when you're in Quebec, you're Toronto. So we'll, we won't go there. <laughs> but anyways, going anyways. back to the Lexus. Yes. Um, at least it will stand out. At least it would right. get noticed. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you can't tell an e-tron from a regular Audi. Right. Uh, you could, you always could distinguish a Tesla. Yeah. So, um, uh, and they've done it without being too crazy. Lexus has found a way to maybe be crazy. I think they would get a splash out of it. I, I'm not against it. I don't like it personally. Yeah. I guess. But what, I, I'm not against them producing it. But we'll see soon because that Lexus crossover is coming an all electric lexus crossover that's going to be the first one and i think it's going to be out in i don't know we'll see it in six months if, yes. not, if not sooner yes yes and so it'll be interesting to see how much that design is based on the concept and i, I and, and 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 we haven't touched on it yet but we talked a little bit about before where i said that you know battery powered vehicles won't be a huge part uh of toyota's uh, portfolio right but i think they will definitely start with Lexus. Yes. Yes. The luxury I, I, brands. I, I think that uh, you'll see hybrids and plug-in hybrids for Toyota where they've got a brand around it and also it's lower cost and profitable yeah. on large scales. Right. And then they'll use Lexus as the flagship for battery EVs because they can, you know, they'll produce 500 of them for Canada or 300 for Canada. Yeah. And even if they lose money on each, they're, they're not killing themselves financially. Right, right. Uh, the final kind of uh, electrified vehicle at the show that's new for Canada is the BMW Vision M concept, plug-in hybrid. So what are your thoughts on that one, David? Um, looks very sporty. Um, they did the uh, uh, the, the i3, um, shot out of the gate, and it went nowhere. And then what's the other one, the i8? i8, and which shot just, out got, of, shot just got out, canceled. Yeah, shot out of the gate and then went nowhere. But a very beautiful car. So this is another... One of the cars they'll make a big noise about, and it won't go anywhere, as far as I'm concerned. Um, they got to think of something better. They got to do better. But uh, something's coming, right? I mean, we know the, com- the i4 coming. is coming. Something's coming. Um, I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure what BMW has to do. Hopefully, they don't just put out uh, a four series with an electric powertrain that looks exactly the same and it, you know, has average range uh, and is all you know WTLP uh, boastful. Uh, if it, that is again, they will give more credibility as well yeah. to Tesla for saying that the uh, traditional automakers don't get it. Right. Um, they need to do something completely new. The 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 uh, the Vision Next is really just an updated M1. And while I loved the M1 um, oh, 30 years ago, um, uh, it they need to come up with. They need to do better. They need to do better. Yeah. I, they all need to do better. Yeah. I mean, the only one I'm at all hopeful for, despite all the controversy over its name, is the Ford Mustang Mach-E. Right. Uh, we've talked about this before. Um, if the Mach-E can't take it to Tesla, yeah. we really need to rethink what's happening in the auto industry. Yeah. And, and that car is at the show, by the way. I'm just not including it in the Canadian debuts because it was in Montreal last month. Yeah. But still a very beautiful car, and I know many, many people want to see it firsthand. So it, it's on the show floor at the Ford display. I will say this. Um, two years ago when I started saying we might have not an electric revolution – but a Tesla revolution, and that's all that the people would buy. I was a crank. Oh, Dave, oh, Dave, you're anti-EV, all that, all the stuff. Well, I went 
through the show yesterday and I talked to a lot of business people and I'm getting a, a almost universal nodding of heads. Yeah. Uh, especially, I, you know, even some of the, and I won't mention which companies, but some of the companies that already have EVs for sale, when I say if the uh, Mustang might be the last chance to prove that th somebody can take on Tesla, even competing companies are saying, yeah, you might be right about that. You know, two years ago, I thought you were an idiot. Yeah. Now there's a lot of basis to what we're, uh, what you're saying. Yeah, I think what, what the, the Ford vehicle has going for it, particularly for the Canadian marketplace, is, is it's a North American-produced vehicle, so supply maybe won't be an issue. And it's got brand recognition. I mean, all the Ford uh, yeah, I Mustang mean, loyalists may hate the fact, but it's got a brand name. Right. The other thing is it's got huge, huge commitment from Ford. Yeah. you got to remember there's five models there with eight trim levels. Yeah. Ford is extremely cost-conscious. They're extremely um, uh, prone to cost and model reducing. For them to put eight trim levels out for one specific model is a commitment to EVs that all the people out there who say they're acolytes and want EVs have been demanding from the uh, major automakers. If they don't like this one, then we, again, we have to go back to saying, well, they're claiming they want an EV, but they just want to join the cult of Elon Musk. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they're, as, as you know, in some of the guests I spoke with in season one, the, it's, it's more than the vehicles that, that this is all about. It's about infrastructure. It's about incentives. Like them or hate them, that is a driving force. Um, one thing that was announced today, actually, at the show, um, Hydro One, this is for the Ontario uh, EV guys and girls, um, Hydro One and the Ontario Power Generation have joined forces with the IV charging network. And what they're going to do is they've committed to build Ontario's largest and most connected EV fast charging network. They're claiming by the end of 2021, so, you know, less than two years, they're going to have 73 more locations across Ontario, north, south, east, west. So, you know, for the whole idea of traveling, going on road trips in your EV. These are fast chargers too. So, again, that kind of is another level that, you know, Say what you will about the, the, the t is it a Tesla revolution, is it an EV revolution? The infrastructure is a foundation that needs to be there too. Just, and, and, and uh, yeah, that's good news. Uh, as a segue, if you will, statistics-wise, um, in England, they just announced they're advancing the uh, 2040 all-EV mandate to 2035. Right. And they've changed it so they won't even allow hybrids. That means, considering there's no fuel cell vehicles, um, and there won't be very many by then, it's all battery-powered. To get to, uh, and on another note, uh, by 2050, they want to be completely eliminated, or net zero, which means they have to get rid of basically all cars. To get to that, they estimate that including home and commercial, they will have to, they need 25.3 million charging units. Divide it all up, take out the weekends. That means that they, between every working day, between now and the end of 2050, they have to build 4,000 charging stations. For all the people that demand that we go fully EV all now, right away, that's the kind of numbers you're looking at. And, and, and if you believe that is realistic, well, I don't know what to say. I, I, you'll probably believe everything Greta says and maybe even a few things that Joachim Phoenix says. So as some of you have already read David's Motormouth, 
of today, um, the one I referred to with, with the kind of, uh, um, contra- I won't say controversial, the interesting uh, headline, why worshiping Greta Thunberg is counterproductive. Um, what David's just talking about with Boris Johnson in, in London and in England and um, with Joaquin Phoenix and all that is the subject of that motor mouth. So we could wax eloquently for a long time about this, David. We're kind of running a little short yep. of town time. Just for people who haven't read it, um, kind of capsulize your whole um, thesis in that. I, I'll just say this. Um, climate change is a serious subject. Um, whether you're, um, um, well, the deniers, I'm, I won't even speak to them. Whether you think it's a crisis or a problem, I'm more problem. Some people want to say we, we might perish next week if we don't do something. I'm not of that ilk, but something must be done. It's a serious problem that requires serious thoughts. Putting that on the chest of a 17-year-old woman and, and, and starting to believe that the symbolism, the canary in a coal mine aspect that she should represent is actually possible, that we could go all the way back to sailing ships across the ocean um, instead of taking air travel. And let's understand, there's already a movement in Sweden, thanks to her, to shame people into not taking planes. Right. To think that that's realistic, that that's a serious alternative, yeah. is going to cause the climate change movement more damage than all the deniers in the world. But, but can't the argument be made that it pushes innovation? Uh, no, I, I, that's my point. I don't think so. Uh, up until this generation, or maybe the last one, it used to be we needed canaries in a coal mine. Their purpose were to get hidebound reactionaries, which everybody thinks I am, to come to a table and negotiate. Yeah. Uh, nobody took that stuff seriously. Nobody. The difference now is when, again, Greta says, don't fly. Her mother gave up her career and said she'd never fly again because her career required her to fly. Right. People in the real world think that, yes, not that, okay, that's a symbolic vesture, we should reduce our, our, our air travel, or that we should make our air travel more efficient. They actually believe, yeah, let's go back to 1492 and I'll get on to Santa Maria when we want to go to vacation in Italy. And that is a bad thing. Those are not serious solutions. Just like climate deniers give progressives a reason to think they're stupid, thinking that that is um, a a, a viable alternative gives the reactionaries uh, a reason to just dismiss progressives as completely ideologues and uh, and nonsensical. So that is that my, my objection is not to Greta Thunberg as uh, as as a symbol. It's believing that symbols can become reality. That is not good. It's not going to progress us in any way, shape, or form. Right. Well, for more on that, as I say, read David's Motormouth of today. Um, I'm sure the comment section is already lighting up, so you can gladly comment. And the thing about David is he'll jump on the comments, too, and uh, engage you, shall I say. Engage. Not belittle. Just engage. (laughs) Respectfully. Respectfully. Well, um, that's kind of all the time we have today. Uh, As always with David, it's great to have him on. Um, He is a fertile mind. He is experienced beyond measure in the automotive field. And uh, I think he's fair when it comes to EVs. I don't always agree with him, but he is a great voice for automotives and technology in the country. Um, 
Thank you, David. I'm blushing. Thank you very much. The last thing I just want to say is if you go down to the show um, and you like EVs and why else would you listen to this podcast, there's the great public sign up and drive an EV. Um, you just go down to the show, look for the signs, sign up. They have a little lounge you can hang out in until you get your chance. I've got a bunch of different uh, manufacturers, so uh, lots of experts there to answer all your questions. So I really encourage you to go down to the show and also to drive. Thank you for joining us. That's it for this episode. Thanks to the staff at the Canadian International Auto Show, Post Media Driving's David Booth, Post Media Driving's Clayton Seams for serving as producer of this segment, my Vancouver-based producer extraordinaire Darm McWana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. Be sure to check out next week's episode as I'll be talking with Leading Ahead Energy's Maxime Charon, whose extensive expertise revolves around implementing charging station solutions for all manner of situations from stratas to recreation centers, and from movie theaters to so-called garage orphans. Don't know what those are? Download next week's episode to find out. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedin at postmedia.com. For your daily dose of automotive news, views, and reviews, be sure to check out driving.ca. Subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.